Welcome everyone to another episode of the EQ Elevator podcast, where we use emotional intelligence to build bridges, not burn bridges for leaders in the STEM industry. Today, I'm quite excited. Uh, I'm always excited uh, in a good way because I have the founder of Wrap VR, which is an immersive experience augmented reality agency that helps businesses around the world in change behaviors, change the way we perceive learning and e-learning through immersive experiences. And one of my big vision is to use emotional intelligence to drive behavioral change and to transform the way we learn, especially when dealing with digital challenges. So today I've invited Guido Helmerhoft. Guido will introduce himself a bit more in a minute to speak about uh, his experiences to drive behavioral change in this digital age because there's so much information overload. It is unfeasible uh, or not realistic to expect people to remember everything, especially when we're dealing with such a high regulated industry and a lot of technical matters, people then shut down. How do you make it fun? How do you make it relevant? So I believe that this is the future and not only me, because Guido can talk about the market that is worth billions in the coming years. Let's and see. Yeah. yeah, and bust some myths around this. Guido and I met already two years ago as we were working on a prototype for building ransomware resilience, which is much needed. And I reached out to him because I uh, love to have him on this podcast and share his experiences in this important topic. So Guido, the floor is yours. Why don't we start with introducing yourself, the mission and vision of VR, and any exciting things that you're doing. For sure. Thank you, Nadja, for inviting me. And of course, we're a pleasure to be re reconnected after also a period of silence, but that's, that's also good because a lot of things happened and I think for the better. So that's awesome. So yeah, Kira Amors, one of the co-founders of Warp VR. We are all about using immersive technologies for training and learning and specifically, and I, th and I think the word resilience is very appropriate here where uh, you want to uh, provide people uh, with preparedness, resilience for when certain situations happen and those situations can be stressful and high impact and potentially dangerous in one way or another and real things happen and disastrous things can happen. And of course you also have, you have various levels in that, but that's the core. Those situations which people can encounter are very difficult or almost not able to train nowadays because yeah, you can hire an actor, you can, you can create that situation, but you cannot do that at scale, right? Because then it becomes too difficult, too costly. And maybe yeah, you only have one actor. So one particular situation, and you might want to train five situations or 10, right? So there's. There's a need, but there's not really a solution. And with Warp VR, we provide that solution by using a story-based immersive, choose-your-own-adventure type of experiences where learners learn by doing and experiencing consequences. And we get really close to real life because we use, let's say, a, a, a specific 
exit within VR, which is all about 360 video. So real people, real situations, but also therefore real emotion. So that's why I, I was very excited to, to join uh, your podcast to, to talk about immersiveness, emotions, and resilience, maybe in, in short. Yes. Thank you for sharing. And just to pick up on that, because I love how you focus on the basic, the essence of humanity. I think we see a lot of avatars and metaverse, which I think yes. is, is also important and speaks to a certain of audience, but not everyone, yeah. and especially in this no. industry, because it doesn't no. make it real. And I think if you really want to change people's mindset, it needs to be real. So I'm also a big fan of 360 experiences and immersive experiences and blending. I think we have to go with yeah. a phased approach. My question yeah. to you is when we look at the, use the emotional, uh, the EQ elevator approach. And when we look at it from a first floor perspective, can yeah. you perhaps provide an example of a case study that you worked with where uh, uh, the, the perception of the students of the client shifted and you could see tangible progress in building resilience in dealing with incidents, right? We face a lot of cyber incidents and it's not only the IT team that have to deal with them. It has a business-wide no. impact. So these yeah. are crises. There are many other crises that also contribute to cyber breach risk. The ability to react calmly, but decisively and reduce stress levels is so important. So perhaps can you give an example on this, the measuring the impact of your solution yeah. in building this resilience? With your permission, I want to share two examples because one is not, let's say, it's not even cybersecurity, but it's in the security and which is all about a bank robbery. Yeah. And I think that in my experience, this helps because anybody can imagine that this that if you're really in a bank robbery as being the person who was robbed or being robbed, that's super stressful that, and that can even result in PTSD, uh, that, that's heavy, that's intense. So for a bank in Austria, we co-developed a bank robbery scenario, uh, which has the purpose to, to eventually have employees trained on what to do, how to behave, how to stay calm and basically uh, um, ensure safety uh, for themselves and for their colleagues. So how that was trained before was sometimes with actors, I think once every two years or so. And you can imagine this is a big bank. So they have a thousand retail locations, right? So how the hell do you train tens of thousands of people in, in, in such a scenario or such scenarios? Before there was somebody just visiting all the branches with a PowerPoint and the do's and the don'ts. But, and, and, and I think that's the core of what we're talking about here, knowing the protocol or knowing what to do as in having knowledge about it is very different than being able to do or apply the knowledge in a situation where it's stressful, where you have, where things are happening and there's an emotional impact. Um, I think apart from the results, business results in reducement and, and still early days, to be honest, but uh, we have high hopes that actually uh, has that consequence. But anecdotally, we already had one person who did the pilot training. Then two weeks later, she in a, actually bank robbery. 
And she reported back that because of the training, she really had a feeling of what to do, right? Because in essence, she already, quote unquote, experienced it already. So her emotional level was lower and therefore her uh, cognitive skills at that point in time were higher. So she could say, okay, I, I have to do this and that. So she could help the, the police with the description of the perpetrator, for example. So, Very powerful example because it shows that it's like when we train that emotional muscle in the mind, the fear, intensity, and stress is much, it's less because we've actually yes. been in, the mind doesn't yeah. know the difference between reality and what's going on. And it's like that emotion we need to train. So very powerful example. Yeah. And what a coincidence to train and then two weeks later to be, it's like God yeah. has a... Unfortunately, that's yeah. because yeah. You, 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 don't, you, you, yeah, you don't want anybody to experience that. But yeah, but that's she was life. Prepared. So, yeah. But she was as prepared as possible. I think you're never 100% prepared, right? But, but I think yeah. as opposed to how it is today, just a PowerPoint and maybe an actor once every two years or sending a video. That's, yeah, that, that's a little bit of training, but you can always almost say it's almost non-training, no training at all versus, okay, now I really have the ability to train. And our technology enables that you can easily create those scenarios, that you can easily distribute them. And I think also an important part, that you have data so you can actually measure hey this person did this they they did it so fast and you have data points to actually also have a conversation about hey in this situation you did this why did you do that so you can really also deepen that learning experience by using data yeah now, that's a, a great example, and, and I think it really shows the essence of how, why emotional intelligence in these trainings can be a, a game changer. And I, you actually already answered my second question, because my second question was, how do people strengthen their emotional muscles in these training scenarios? And what I get from you, it's really that realness of the trainings. And, and But let me ask this question. I already know the answer because we talked in depth about this <laughs> two yes. years ago, but I would love for you to share it with the audience because I think it's very powerful. What is so important about storytelling and when it comes to provoking emotions for behavioral change? What we, what we explored, what we found, what we said, this is, this is not something we knew from the start in a way. Maybe we had a hunch, but it, it took us some time to, well, to have evidence in a way, or at least see that happen. So in the end, what we found is that uh, it's about first person. It's about choose your own adventure. So where people can make their own choices. We are all human, right? So we learn by doing, by making mistakes, by reflecting, by standing and by falling and by standing up again. So in the end that, and that's also with emotion, right? Sometimes you have an outburst and then you get a response and you're like, hmm, okay that might not help, be helpful in this situation. But it's also about trying, right? So now you have the ability, if you're in a, in a digital, but very real or very close to real life situation, now you can try, now you can, uh, so that's the choose your own adventure thing is say, okay, I think I want to do this or say that or whatever. And of course it's scripted. So you have limited choices, I have to be honest. So, hey, it's not. You cannot do everything, 
but life is also not about doing uh, everything, right? So there, there are s- certain focus points and reels you have to ride uh, within, but you can experiment. And one of the things I did a workshop last week and it came up again. So you can train, for example, with an actor, right? That you, and I think that's powerful. But what happens when you do that in a group with actors and peers, that's not about learning. That is very much about performing because you don't want to make a mistake. You want to do it properly. You don't want to do it right. You don't want to fail eh, in front of the eyes of, of your peers or others. Or so, so that's much more the performance zone than it's about the learning zone. And I think that also goes for, let's say, emotional intelligence, where you have to be able to practice. And that practice is very difficult. So I think this is a way to get, again, really close. It's not 100% real, but because of the techniques we're using, so we're using 360 video, but we're also using actors and therefore their emotion and expressions. And yeah, what you really feel is because you're looking at a human, right, with facial expressions and well, all, all the body language we're using, but we're also using dilemmas. So we're using storytelling techniques in providing opportunities to, to learn from, by doing, but by making those choices, by finding it difficult to, to pose difficult situations in a way and then find your way. So I think there are, those are all elements which combine into a storytelling way where I think you, you can really practice uh, in close to real life situations. Yeah. And the, and the correlation when it comes to the cybersecurity challenges, when it comes to the role of a, a chief executive officer, for example, a lot of yeah. chief executive officer, they shy or not that they shy away, but because they focus more on business disruption, business risk, business continuity. Yeah. And cyber is often portrayed as very technical. So it's yeah. okay. Let the CISO or the CIO deal with it. So I think this is a great environment for them to practice in a safe space because they want yeah. to save face as well. Same thing for today's CISO, still very ambiguous. There's a lot of pressure. There's one, I spoke about this in another podcast. At one hand, there's the vanity of being a chief information security officer. But on the other hand, yeah. there's a lot of invisible stress because they are now liable directly for data breaches. And this is just going to expand across the other C-suite level. And then yeah. also when we talk about subject matter experts, they highly trained in intellectual capacity, analytical thinking. So uh, you cannot think your way through emotions. You have to feel it. No. And if you don't yeah. know how to do it, if you've never learned it, it feels quite uncomfortable, right? And this is where the yeah. error comes. So how can yeah. you train that in a safe space? So I think I, the correlation, like the impact when it comes to preparing people for navigating cyber challenges in whatever function within their map of the world is huge, which actually yeah. brings me to my third question. When we look at it from a, from a neutral perspective, from a third floor, what are some of the biggest benefits, impacts you've seen on businesses when using uh, RAP VR services, when using immersive yeah. experiences, when it comes to training? Because I can only imagine that at first they had a lot of people flying in, coming in, but because now it's a lot of remote and hybrid working, so what are some of the yeah. biggest impact yeah. and benefits? Okay. I want to connect and so say, let's say 
two parts of, of an answer, but the first part, I want to connect also back to, to let's say the, the previous question and what you were saying about SEO liability, cyber being something for IT people and not for me, right? So that's, so what we're trying to do, and, and it really has to do with experiencing consequences because the consequence of a data breach can be, can be a lot. But it's not only that IT has to deal with that, right? Because the consequence could be that an hour later, there's a reporter from some newspaper or social media and knocks on your door and say, hey, I heard that there's a data breach. What's going on? I want to know why, but so they're going to maybe interrogate you or at least that's how you would feel it. So if you're not prepared for that, that can be a very intense and for a business, a high impact, because maybe you will blap out eh, under pressure, the wrong, let's say business things, because yeah, you act from emotion. So this is also very much about finding those elements that make it real for people, because it's, it's, it's not magic. It's not invisible. That's data breach has real business and, and societal or, or whatever impact it has, but you can, or at least we think uh, you should strive for making that visible so you can actually connect that to, okay, that's why I need to change my password or whatever, because this can happen and showing and experiencing that part of this can happen. Yeah. Austin. Yeah, people don't realize that because yeah, you've never experienced it. So it's, it, it doesn't come to mind. Now, connecting that to, let's say what, in what way businesses change. So that I think is the first part. Well, if I just very, think, just quickly to yeah. emphasize, that is so important to count the fear because when it becomes familiar, the fear reduces and the stress reduces and people are better equipped to respond instead of reacting. Exactly. So brilliant point. Exactly. So yeah, because. Hey, indeed, your, your emotion is, is low so or lower, and, but so you have more room in your head to think. Rationally, you say, ah, this is what I learned in my training, so now I have to do A, B, and C. Instead of, holy shit, oh, sorry, what, what's happening to you? Okay. So that's one, this part of, let's say, the education we're doing with our clients, with the businesses who use our platform, but also our services, which uh, in summary is all about Okay, so what is the learning objective? Who is your target audience? So that's not rocket science, but the mindset shift happens where we say, because normally when often, let's say security or safety, or a lot of topics are trained, especially in e-learning, when you're talking about e-learning, it's, oh, this is a video of a situation. What is unsafe here? Or what could go wrong? Or all these type of, Third-person questions, your observer, you have time. In real life, that doesn't happen, right? In real life, you have pressure, you have your manager breathing down your neck, you have your partner calling you that you have to run your errands. Stuff is happening and you have to work. And in the cybersecurity, that's the same. So Friday afternoon, an invoice comes in, you have to pay it. And, and maybe your colleagues say, hey, go with us for a drink. So then... If you don't pay attention, you pay something or you put in some information you shouldn't do, which 
triggers that chain of some data breach or whatever that, that could be. But that happens. And of course, that person knows I shouldn't do it. I, I know the protocol, but knowing and doing in, it's very different, well, yeah. in real life is very different. Yeah. So that's why, that's where the mindset. So I think that's when, and that's also what we get back from our clients when they go through that process of thinking about it this way. So in a way, and that's what we call it more the story-based way in a way. That, okay, so that they really understand it. They really, okay, so they, and they run with it. So that's good. Of course, there's also the other benefits, let's say more the most financial part in a way where so first you have the creation of the training. So we have the platform, you can hash out a full blown training in a month. So start to finish, create a scenario, do the filming, connect it to hit publish, and it's available to everybody. And then everybody, right? If you have 10 people or 10,000 people, it doesn't matter if you have a phone or a tablet or a VR headset or just a computer, you can play that scenario. Different levels of immersion, but that's then how you can train it. And then it becomes, okay, so, well, maybe uh, on different locations, you have a couple of headsets. Right. So then the business case becomes, okay, I have to buy some headsets. I have to create content, but may I, uh, but I don't have to fly people uh, across the world or I don't have to do another training session with actors. So I can lose that. Right. And there, but there are different modalities and how you build the program. So there are different variables, but in the end, the ability to have a digital library of those experiences. It can be one or multiple, allows you to train anytime, anywhere, which has a huge impact, especially if you do that at scale. And that's what a lot of our clients are doing. I think it's so important because especially when it comes to emotional intelligence and especially in the very industry where hard skill is much valued, people feel uncomfortable dealing with emotional intelligence or talking about these things in front yeah. of their boss. Yeah. So it's an excellent way, not only to develop secure cyber hygiene, secure behaviors, but for mm -hmm. people to be more, less stressed, more productive, more focused, right? Because they learn key basic things of how to function under pressure, how to operate in yeah. chaos without yeah. losing their, this brings <laughs> me to the, no, this. I, mean, I know why, okay. Why, one addition to that, Kunaja. So that, because what we found. And I think that was a, a great learning where you talk, let's say you, you're, you're in a group and you want to talk about that emotional in part that, and like you said, that's hard because especially when you are all about hard skills and blue people and stuff. So what we found is that because you've done the same scenario and let's say you've done the same scenario, everybody's in the headset, they are doing the same scenario, they played it, but because it's choose your own adventure, they experience different things within that same context, but now you're going to talk about it. So now it's not, oh, I have experienced this and eh, maybe I use this, this. So that takes a lot of the group of the mental power. Oh, I have to envision, I have to, what that person is saying, but now you have a shared experience and you can actually talk about that and say, hey, why did you at this moment in the scenario? I, I turned left, you went right. Why? How come? And then you have something to talk about. And then that really helps to yeah. 
facilitate the conversation. Sorry, there was yeah, some... No, but it's a brilliant point because we know, but we, we un often underestimate you can have two people having the same, like the same external experience, but internally completely different. It is based on their bias, on their mood. And exactly. a lot of people feel shame or, or they feel fear judgment in coming yeah. forward. So that inner dialogue, yeah. and we talked about this when we worked about on our pilot project, yeah. they'll bring forward the different inner dialogues and what people are thinking. So that's how we build empathy. And then we say, ah, exactly. okay, I better understand now how all these moving pieces individually are silos. We can reduce organizational blindness and bring them together on point. My, the fourth floor uh, question yeah. I have is yeah. when yeah. we look at the cybersecurity industry, when we look at cybersecurity, it's slowly changing, but it's often viewed by many as opening the Pandora box or it's like too technical or I don't understand it or it's dark. You still see mm. so many, you know, it's very cliche, but still, even mm. when you look for pictures, the hoodie, right? And in order to attract talent into cybersecurity, in order to make cybersecurity everyone's responsibility to a certain extent, right? Based mm -hmm, on the competencies mm -hmm, needed, mm -hmm. there needs to be mm -hmm. a new way of viewing. And we shift our perception based on what we feel. We can be aware of something because based of perceived doesn't mean we necessarily understand it. And we can understand something, as you said, doesn't necessarily mean we will act on it. So shifting people's perception happens within their emotional map of the world. What we feel strongly about, we actually act about. So in your view, how can immersive experiences, augmented reality, virtual reality, help change this narrative around cybersecurity to not be so polarizing, to not be only based on fear, but still be quite practical because uh, uh, we should have some level of fear to get us into action in protecting mm -hmm. ourselves, yeah. but not to mm -hmm. the extent that to, to leave us powerless, which cyber criminals and scammers prey on. Great question. So I think in my case, let's say uh, VR and so the, the virtual world, but then in that sense, using 360 video, so pretty close to the real world. But generally speaking, it's VR has been called the empathy machine. And not without reason. And I think it allows you, when we talked, or you briefly talked about biases, it allows you to be in, a, in different shoes. So now you can be the CEO who has to deal with this. Now you can be the CISO who has, who is called out of his bag. Uh, and you can be literally in bed, right? So you can just create a story where you, as the person doing this, uh, the immersive uh, training, you can be literally in bed where you're, then the alarm goes and then you have to, okay, click, okay, do the switch the light, okay, and have somebody on the phone screaming and, and in panic. And then you're like, oh, okay, now what I do? Okay. And all those steps. I think really helps to build the understanding of the different implications uh, it has. And I think that is very powerful. So now you can have those multiple experiences of how it is in a certain situation, how somebody re reacts, what calls he or she gets from the CEO or from media, right? Again, the media part, yeah. 
So all all those elements, yeah, you, yeah, you can write them down. Yeah, you can put them in an e-learning, but that doesn't that doesn't yeah, they, you don't seal it, right? Exactly. And yeah, it's yeah. the same. It's the same mechanism because you don't feel it. It's really hard to envision it. Okay, exactly. We have probably, to see it. but I. I and I guess the, the examples we've seen not in cybersecurity, although we're also working there, but uh, is I can tell you that you, that's very important to have a, have a smoke detector in your house. And rationally, you know that, but there are a lot of people who don't have that still. So we did a scenario for the fire department where now, okay, you're actually in your house yeah, you're with your kids or, or partner or whatever. And now, okay, the alarm goes, you actually, actually have a uh, fire house, but now you experience what, it, what the difference in time is, uh, having a smoke detector and don't have a smoke. And now you feel it because yeah. now you're not, you're unable to save your kids. Yeah. Okay. So still, it's it, eh, but you can really get really close. But that, that's uh, so crucial because it actually solves a huge problem. Many businesses, and especially when it comes to cyber incidents, are not taking the proactive approach because they don't see the urgency. And also from my time in NATO crisis management, we did a lot of exercise because you can't afford not to see the urgency. But how do you get people proactive often when S hits the fan, then people act. But through these immersive experiences, you really connect with the emotion of people to what they feel the most about their loved ones, their core values. And when you show the impact of cyber incidents on what they love and care about the most, they have felt it, not necessarily from a place of fear, but from a place that become aware and understand. And then it is important enough for them to take the right action that will reduce the risk even further. It's all about risk yeah. reduction because yeah. we can't yeah. avoid everything 100%, but we can be much better prepared. And because many there are many multiple competing business risks that are going on for in, in resources, oh. competing resources, yeah. which is the traditional cliche excuse, often when something happens, it completely can shut down 60% of small, medium businesses shut down their doors. Can you imagine as an entrepreneur, everything you work for yeah, is yeah. just gone. Yeah. So this yeah. really helps people step into, okay, this is what I can do because you felt it. If we don't feel yeah. it, we don't, we, why would I change? So yeah, I, exactly. I love how we yeah. do that example. Let's, let's continue with the last question. Yeah. Guido, this was really very fascinating and it's, I can just see so much potential in solving cyber challenges, problems is in reducing the human service attack. Yep. So my, my last question is more on the macro level and when it comes to how do you view this industry moving forward in, when it comes to upskilling and reskilling. So there are la several layers. The, the, the challenge one is how do we train? And how do we educate uh, younger students, students in universities? Because it's very different now. How do we build that resilience of younger people as well? Because especially digital natives uh, and generative AI, it's taking away the ability to have co uncomfortable conversations. Mm -hmm. uh, 
fall in a trap of uh, the loneliness pandemic, etc. So I think that is one huge challenge. And the other challenge is people who are not losing their jobs, but we need to now focus on different skill sets when it comes to people that uh, the technology is going to not take over, but to be complemented by. And this requires a change within, which is quite uncomfortable because it's challenging to learn new skills comes with emotions. So I, I see huge potential in this industry, but I would love to hear your views on how you see uh, immersive experiences benefit and ease the process of upskilling and reskilling as we move into the future. We are already in the future now because of everything yeah. that's happening. It's, it's already happening. Answer that's exactly, the worst. Exactly. Um, no, but I think you're right. So certain skills have become more important and especially also when you look at cognitive skills, problem solving, uh, attention, intercultural uh, relations, all those, I'd say, elements. But yeah, in looking at it, I, I can only be, let's say, happy and in a way blessed that I'm, uh, I'm on this journey together with colleagues and, and with people like yourself to say, hey, what is, where, where, how can we help? How can we provide somewhat of an aid? So in the end, so what we're, what I envision happening in a way is, a, hey, we, we used to have libraries. This is always how I share it. So we used to have, li- have libraries. We still have with books full of knowledge. Beautiful lined up in, in, in rows and systems. You can find it and you can pick out, this is what I need. So now I'm going to sit here and read. Amazing, right? So with all the printing press and all that, that what's brought to the world. My hope, my vision for the future is that we have a library, but now filled with, let's say immersive experiences where you can have based on what you need, you can take out another book, but not even something physical, but eh, like a store, like a library where you have, okay, now I need this, this piece of experience in my life. So I think what this digital age with this technology enables you is to really forefront or close the gap or make it much closer by those experiences, right? So you can have a much more feel bag of experiences when you graduate, right? Okay. It's like, as a very uh, different example, you, you were a nurse, you're straight out of school. So in, in nursing there, there will be multiple si- difficult situations coming at you with people at the bed. Yeah? So how do you deal with that? In my vision, now you have a library, you can, or hey, you can consume that in a couple of weeks or whatever the time frame you have, and now you're much better prepared for those situations at hand. So in a way I'm hopeful and still we need real life. We still need active. We still need those, the, the real experiences and talking about emotions and all that stuff. But I think this is a super interesting age where you can actually train in a way or train yourself, not only with knowledge, but also with some real practical applications. Uh, of knowledge, which, yeah, I think is very relevant and exciting. And in a way it's, yeah, it's, we need it. It's maybe it's a shame a bit that we need it, but at least there will be, or is a way to close that gap, at least a little bit. 
Yeah, no, I, I have the, the same vision as you. You know this very well from two years ago. Yeah. For emotional firewalls to have a library of experiences for different generations to equip them. I'm very passionate about mental health and I see that a lot of people yeah. suffer from loneliness, yeah. from being not feeling enough, the adequacy, yeah. and it plays out in so many other areas of our life. So I, I truly, I, I share the same vision and I think this is the way, way forward. So this has been a fascinating conversation. I'm uh, really happy that you accepted and that you came on. How can people connect with you? How can they find you and learn more about Rob Thiar's amazing uh, mission to, to yeah. build resilience and prepare people as much as possible? And LinkedIn probably easiest to connect with me personally, warpvr.com for, for more information on the website. Of course, happy to share. And also demo, right? Because in the end, yeah, it is an experience product or whatever you want to call it. Please reach out. Happy to share how you can also experience being in front of an angry customer or having to fly, evacuate from an airline hangar yeah. or whatever the scenario is. Happy to share because yeah, that's it. It's an experience. And sign up to their newsletter. Even when you were not in touch for a few years, I always enjoy reading your newsletters. They are short to the point. And they really provide lots of interesting value. So thank you for that. Appreciate it. Thank you, Guido, for coming on. And uh, I think the world is your oyster, my oyster, everyone's oyster. This is, we should shape, ride this wave yeah. of yeah. Uh, disruptive technology and not let fear stop us from innovating and maximizing human potential. So thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, everyone who tuned in, listened. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. And I look forward to next week's episode. Thank you for tuning in to the EQ Emotional Intelligence Elevator Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights into the world of emotional intelligence. To learn more about Thrive with EQ and Nadia's mission to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence, Visit our website at thrivewitheq.com. You'll find a plethora of EQ leadership resources, tools, and services to help you and your organization thrive. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As always, keep thriving with EQ.